Hello, everybody. Welcome to Grip Lock, Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I am Zach, and this is Hunter. And today, we are going to be talking about the mentality of an amateur versus a pro, as well as other news. Sorry about that. Um, maybe tonight, later on in the show, we will talk about what happened today. Um, I'm sure you guys know what happened, but we'll let you know when that happens, just so we don't spoil it. Yeah. As well as what happened with those Crystal Raptors, our genuine response. Um some college disc golf stuff, but I'm going to throw it over to Hunter, who's going to do two off the tee, and if you're new here, he'll explain it now. Yeah, so two off the tee is how we start off every single podcast um, here. Basically, what we do is we find one question from Reddit, and the other question comes from you guys uh, live on the chat boards. So the first question, um, it's not really a question, it was a meme, but I feel like it would fit with the theme, and I think it'll be good. It's from the user Dean. Um, and he posted the meme that's from Louder with Crowder. Uh, I don't know the actual, I know that's his like, uh, whatever his show name is, but it's that change my mind meme. And it just said, Winthrop Gold isn't a good course. Change my mind. So Zach, I want to hear your opinions on this. First. Oh gosh. I thought you were going to go first. You want me to go first? No, it's fine. I'll go. Okay. So I've seen Winthrop in person one time last year and, mm, okay. So it looked fun from not a pro's perspective, just like an amateur looked fun, uh, looked very forehand friendly, AKA why, like, for example, Nate Sexton is like never outside of the top five. Yeah. Um, and Hmm. I mean, you, you hear people talk about the course is only good when the ropes are up, which I feel like that doesn't really make a good course. If it's only good when there's artificial OB. Mm, so, from my perspective, yes. Like I liked, like it looked fun last year. I really wanted to play this year. Like we were supposed to go and make a video trying to qualify, but you know, obviously work stuff didn't work out. Um, so I was really like bummed out that I couldn't, hopefully I can next year. We can do that next year. Would I say it's a good course? I would say it's an okay course. Okay. Okay. So I finally got to my answer. Um, so for me, I think currently, it's a good course, but only because of one reason, Uh-oh. and that is the prestige of the event. Okay. If you put Winthrop Gold anywhere else, not attached to a tournament, I think it is a um, uh, rather horrible course, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I understand it was designed to challenge the bags and you know mentality of pros, the top-level pros. You have to be the top of the top to compete there. I get that. I just hate OB, and I super hate... Uh, like I understand OB, you know, I don't hate it just to hate it. Um, I hate it when it's overdone, but I absolutely hate, and this is like a cross the board pointless mandatories. Mm. Like I like mandatories for safety or like whole five. I can understand that mandatory. Cause if you look back, you know, several years, even coverage on YouTube, you can see players like Johnny McCray throwing around whole five, never going over the water. I understand that mandatory forcing people to go over the water um, and that's also partly safety because there is a parking lot back there. But for instance, these news holes, uh, hole three and four, we saw Jomez put out a, um, course preview. I don't know if you saw that today. Mm, no, but so of the whole course, it's just of the new additions. Okay. So like no, hole three, four and five, five is new tee pad, but hole three, the double Mando that's 600 feet off the tee, about 150 feet short of the pen is no joke about the width of this room, which is, we're talking like yeah. 15 feet, maybe. Um, and I don't understand the point of that. Me personally. Yep. I think that is a very dumb and pointless thing because it, I don't know. Uh, and then if you, if you can like say, maybe that's okay. Look at the next hole, hole four, 
299 feet, dead straight, tunnel shot. Already a pretty tough shot because, you know, you got to hit the tunnel. Then they had four mandos on one hole, two double mandos, to the point that Nate Sexton, one of the top players in the world, across the board, says, I'm just going to lay up and then lay up for a three. Yeah. Like, where is the fun for a spectator in that? Yeah. And then where is the fun for a player who might throw a near-perfect shot, nick a tree, miss a mando, and then take a four when, you know, he should still have a putt for a two because he threw a good drive. Right. Um, so... I think you, Winthrop Gold is a good course only because the prestige of the event and playing there, but course design and OB-wise, I hate it personally. Okay. Interesting. That's just me. Yeah. All right. So the reason why I'm cracking up is the chat is already pretty funny today, but that's because your wife's in this and she said something pretty funny. Oh, gosh. But I will read down because there was a few questions. Some I'm going to address that we can't answer right now. One I'm going to choose and then the rest I got to just tell you what they said. Okay. Um. Well, one question was like, how do we think Paul is going to attack the next few rounds? That we will talk, we will about, talk later. about at the end of the episode. Yeah. That's our current plan, by the way, for those of you who worried about spoilers. We're going to do our full episode, um, and then we're going to announce it's USDGC like talking time, and that way you can watch, enjoy the episode, and then cut it off if you want to wait for the Jomez coverage and all of that. Um, so that way we can still talk about it, and you guys don't have to worry about spoilers and muting it and not knowing when to come back and all that stuff. So that's how we're going to attack that. Okay, so the real question that we're going to take, it comes from Nate Cameron. He said, it might be a little early for this, but what's your plan for the foundation team in 2020? Is it going to be the same? Are you, uh, are you going to be taking new applications? Have been having a lot of people ask, how do I get on the team? So just from what I know... Um, <laughs> just what? from what I know, that's just a weird way to put it. I don't know. Well, because we haven't like had we lengthy haven't had conversations about yeah, it. I see what you're saying. Um, I know, well, the plan is, yes, we're going to have a team again. Um, the plan is not everybody that's on our team right now may get invited back. Um, we will be accepting applications at the end of December or maybe beginning of December. Cause we have to choose by January, right? Yeah. January. Yeah, I think we, last year we did it like March ish. Cause we launched our store February. Launched in February, but our, our plan is to, to have the team set by the end of January ish. Yeah. Probably the same amount of people that we have now. If, if we can find like, you know, good enough applicants maybe a little bit more how do you get on the team uh you don't even have to be a good player honestly you don't uh be active on social media like very daily with your disc golf career whatever your brand you're going to promote or um you know if you're going to tournaments or whatever make sure you're taking pictures all that kind of stuff um carry yourself well on the field you know don't be don't be arrogant don't be somebody that they're like everyone's oh i don't really like this person yeah i don't like playing with that guy and you're yeah. wearing our wearing our logo you can see why we wouldn't want that right um and yeah i mean what else what else do you need to do to be on the team uh, yeah i mean like you said active on social media um active in your local club i think is a big one um which will what we do yeah. is basically the application process is a three-step process essentially you we open it up you submit your applications we read through every application i promise you we legitimately do <laughs> um and then we pick our top like i think this year uh i think we picked like 20 and we narrowed it down to like eight um so we'll probably do about the same you know our goal is eight to 12 players essentially uh because that way we can still manage it and feel like we have a good grasp on it honestly if i had much more i don't think i could handle it uh because i'm barely up to date with code usage and stuff like that right now um yeah hunter's slow at that yeah i suck at it uh but we'll, we'll, once we get those top 20 uh, that we feel like could be good, we're looking at your social media, seeing all that stuff. Then we do a FaceTime interview with those applicants. 
and the FaceTime interview, we're going to ask you a lot about your local club, um, you know, about your plans to play next year, what you're doing for your local club. Are you running any tournaments? Um, all that jazz. Uh, and then, you know, one thing that we are going to emphasize more next year is the contract that we give out. We're going to try to stick a little bit more to it as far as if you don't post about us X amount of times, you know, we will be a little bit more stern with it just because, um, for being on the team, you do get certain things and hopefully next year, uh, we are more structured so that what you get can be even better. Um, and, but if you get more, we're going to expect more basically. So yeah, hopefully next year's team, uh, is a step up in your eyes, Nate, because you're on the team this year. Um, and hopefully for those of you looking to join the team, uh, it'll be a, a good process and we can make it smooth. Yep. Okay. So Lizzie says that this is Liz, uh, Lizzie is Hunter's wife. They're watching from the birthday party. Yeah. That's where I'm supposed to be right now. They said, Shh, give a shout out to Bailey. Happy birthday, Bailey. He's my brother-in-law. Uh, they planned it on Wednesday night, but I'm here. So. There you go. And she said in capital letters, yes, that is my zaddy. And then I guess maybe we're supposed to say daddy. And then, Katie said, Lizzie, keep that to yourself, but it was actually Kent that I was going to say, that had to be Kent. <laughs> um, all right. Kent's, okay. Kent's my other brother-in-law, Lizzie's brother. Bailey's my brother-in-law, but Lizzie's twin's husband. Okay. Yes. I knew that. I wasn't explaining I w- it to you. I, I was explaining it to them. I was not paying attention. Because somebody also said, Zach, has anyone ever told you that you look like a skinnier version of Kevin James? <laughs> okay if you watch uh what was the show oh, um gosh. the uh pretty funny the new york show um king of queens mm, yeah i think that's the name of it right mm-hmm. yeah i told him that that show i swear is based on him and his wife i don't know if you've watched it yet but i told him this like close to a year ago now it was back in january it was when yeah. i first discovered the show and i immediately texted him i was like dude this show is you and hannah so you've got to watch that and that does have kevin james in it I guess I have to watch it. Yeah. Now, your whole family's here, like Gabby, Katie. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, All right. Anyway, so we're going to move on to our next topic, which we're going to talk now because we have more people here. Let's just talk about the Crystal Raptors now. I've got one up here. Okay. So for everybody that I'm sure you knew, okay. If you don't know, we dropped 500 of these Crystal Raptors last Friday, and what we wanted to do is address everybody right now, even if all those haters are not listening, that not one person bought all the discs. No. Many people got a chance to buy the discs. I'm sorry that they sold out so fast. I didn't even think they were going to sell out so fast. None of us did. To That's- the point where I'm sitting on my bed after I post you know, the post, hey, Crystal Raptors are live, and a minute later, I get a call from Hunter. He's like, hey, you watching this? I'm like, what? Like, what, what am I watching? Like, no. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he's like, the site, like discs are gone. I'm like, really? Like I was genuinely surprised. Didn't know it was going to happen. And then we went from a, a very quick of like, holy frick, did we just do that? Like stoked to, oh, now are you seeing all the emails and everything coming in? Um, which one thing I want to explain, and I've been asked about a lot is why do we remove the limit? So, um, which we're going to get into our next topics of our actual podcast here in a second, but I feel like we need to address this again, just from every single aspect we can. Um, so the limit was originally set at 10. We have never had 500 discs that we haven't pre-sold or anything like that come in before. We have had discs like 200 quantity and stuff like that. And what will happen is as a small business, we get them in and they sit. I can, you know, right here's a good example. 
we've had these Lunas. This is still the first run, the stiff run Lunas, because we bought, heck, I think 200 of them, right? Yeah. And we probably still have 75 of them, and we bought them back in whenever they became available, early June, I think. Um, and so we've had stuff like that happen multiple times to where once we saw the number 500, we realized there was hype for this disc, but we didn't want to get stuck with them, basically. We put a lot of money into it. We put a lot of time into it, and we wanted to make sure that they sold. So we talked, and amongst us, we said, you know, let's just remove the limit. That way, if someone wants to buy 30, they can buy 30, and that will just help us on our end make sure we sell them. You know, that didn't happen. We did have a family buy 30, but they emailed us the night before and was like, hey, you know, instead of placing several different orders, can we just buy 30 because there's five players in our family? And I was like, well, yeah, I don't care. Um, So, But other than that, you know, each individual order was 15 or less. To my understanding, right? Yep. I would say to my understanding, we filled the orders. I should know. And I mean, there was only two people, I think, that bought 15, and the rest were less than that. We went ahead and averaged the yeah. orders. The average order was four. Yeah. Right so at four of them. To so, everybody that literally left like bad reviews on Facebook and on the, the disc on the website, like, I'm sorry. Maybe, I under, we understand yeah. the frustration, but... You also got to understand, like, <laughs> we're one, we're a business, so like, I mean take it how it is we're a business like we sell things and that's what we're supposed to do number one number two like just because you didn't get, okay i'm gonna get a little salty here just because <laughs> you didn't get your own way like you don't gotta go ahead and be a jerk to other people i don't know if that's just like how you were raised but oh geez, yeah the i would have spanked if i started treating somebody like that the thing that just frustrated because i didn't get a disc yeah the thing that frustrated me the most was was the bad reviews and the Stuff like that, mainly because... Oh, I'm never buying from you again. Yeah. Okay, like, I'm Which sorry. I will say, the majority, of, the majority of people that said that, we, we did look up and they hadn't bought from us before. <laughs> yeah, ever. Um, but the thing that hurt me with it is, like, we've spent, you know, the last nine months trying to build a brand. And especially for us, we're trying to build a brand based on customer service, something that we respond to 90% of your comments. See, especially here on YouTube, we spend tons of times responding to comments. We make sure every email we get is answered uh you know anytime someone asks us a question we go as far as we can answering the question um and so to see just like one experience of i didn't get a disc so i'm gonna leave you a one-star review and that drop our facebook review down that's you know luckily most of the people left reviews on the disc itself which the disc is deleted because it's gone so most of those disappeared with that but to see like so much hate from that on something that we take pride in customer service uh that's what hurt me a little bit um, but I think for the most part, uh, we tried to handle it as best we could. That's why we got the colored crystal rafters up. Right. That's what I was about to say. Like um, for you guys, like we, I mean, we've said this before, like the, okay, we actually went back through the disc sold out in a minute, not two. Yeah. We so thought it was, was cool. two, but it was Bam. a minute. And we literally called Discraft like at 602 and we said, we need more of these. Like they're yeah. gone and they were like, okay. And if you're wondering why it has to be a different stamp, because they told us it had to be a different stamp Yeah. because they want to keep the collectability of those 500. Another issue was they said that they were, I think there were some issues with how small the foundation was yeah. on it. Um, but we were told from Discraft, it would be best if we didn't use the stamp again and we took their word at it. So we're not going to use the stamp again. Um, but I mean, you also have to realize the colored crystal Raptors are always in our plan to release, but we wanted to take full advantage of having them. So it was our plan to release them two months from now or something like that. You know what I mean? Whereas instead we dropped them now, which now kind of limits us on our end because that was one of the big tricks we had in our pocket, especially with 
Black Friday and stuff coming out, but we thought it was more important to go ahead and solve this issue now versus waiting a few months to solve it. So, right. uh, Meekly just asked, uh, where is best to leave a review for us? I guess on Facebook. Facebook. Facebook you want to give us a awesome. review? It's you can on recommend Facebook. it there. Yeah. Um, I actually think that's probably the main spot. You can also, if you've ever bought a disc from us and you like how the disc flies, it doesn't really have anything to do with us, but it's super helpful if you go onto our website and leave a review on that disc. Yeah, people uh, can That see. helps us with search engine optimization and also when people look at the disc on our site, they can see, oh, Meekly loved how this disc was thrown forehand, you know, right. that's exactly what I'm looking for. So that helps us and helps other people. Um, uh, Trevor Hill asked if Patreons are going to get first choice of colors for the colored ones. Also, do we know what colors we're getting? We do not know what colors. Um, the so hard part with yeah. Patreons getting the first choice of that is that they were all pre-ordered. Um, which they're not over yet. They run till uh, Friday. Friday. Which somebody asked me today what day it runs to because payday's Friday. He wanted to wait until he got paid. Yeah. So all day Friday? All day Friday. We're going to okay, place our Friday. order Friday, but we're going to order a little bit more than was pre-ordered. Right. So there should be a little bit of wiggle room if people place you know, their orders later on Friday. But uh, yeah, if you just order by mid-afternoon Friday, you're definitely going to be okay. Um, but color-wise, for Patreons, it'll be tough because we have so many pre-orders coming in. You can try to email us your color preferences well, and stuff. Yeah. But, email us color preference and we'll put it in your order. But by the time we get to your order, you know, you might have been the 50th order and we might have only had 50 red ones. And if you ask red, which I don't know if we're getting red, um, that it could be tough. So I can't guarantee that, unfortunately. Uh, but from what I understand, there shouldn't be a wide array of colors. There should just be a few, a few, like two or three, depending on the amount of amount that we order, because they have to do a run of each color, basically. Right. And yes, I know Hunter's saying it's going to be hard if you, even if you do leave a comment, but leave it just in case, because if we have that disc in that color, we're going to give you what you asked yeah, for every time. Um, you know, even if during the Raptors, you didn't get the, the, even if you get a flag stamp, we had about we had 70 so people ask for a flag stamp and we only had, and like we only had like 15, six, maybe, may, maybe 10, 10 flag stamps yeah. and they maybe like two of them made it to the website. Yeah. Like, because I, I mean, I'm, I'm throwing a flag stamp. So yeah, like, I think I'm, I don't even know if I got one. I my, my dad requested one specifically. No, I so. think, didn't we take it away from you? No, I gave one to my dad. Okay, I think we so took. I think we took one away from me. Yeah. I gave one to my dad, and yeah. then Jeff Corns bought a few. Yeah. What stamp um, is it going to have? It's going to have a mini foundation stamp. Yeah, it's going to be bigger than the. So the foundation logo at the bottom of the McBee stamp is going to be a little bit bigger than that. Um, but that's the plan. We've never done that stamp before, and since it's crystal and it's clear, I feel like that's going to be. You kind of want the disc to shine, anyways. So yeah. that was the whole idea of it. But we had to make that decision in like two minutes. So literally two minutes. Um, all right. So yeah. let's go ahead and. Uh, so thank you guys for letting us rant. Yeah. Sorry um, about that. that was that like, wasn't that wasn't planned. We just wanted to make sure we cleared the air for the third time and on the final platform that we hadn't cleared it on yet. Yeah. Basically. Um, all right. So we're gonna go ahead and jump uh, over to our um, comments. Yeah. You mean okay. you so, you got it. Sorry, yeah, I, I got it. I was just reading this. Okay, so the Taper Classic Open, um, the individual results, uh, Mitchell, is that his name? Mm -hmm. Mitchell Crowley of UW Platteville. Um, he won by five strokes, averaging 987, which I feel like it's high for, you know, an amateur, but for college disc golf, if you're not averaging like 1,000 rated, a little bit plus, especially at nationals, you're not going to win. It's tough for... Um regional qualifiers that have That's high true. averages though. because it's yeah not a lot of people and whatnot yeah uh eric dowing downing came in second and then noah free in third i will say this tournament one thing that was interesting was they did have an open division it was all collegiate players but they had an open division so mitchell crowley technically won open yeah 
Um, he played pro in that tournament. Weird. But it was all collegiate. So how did he, he accept the cash? Mm-hmm. You can accept cash as collegiate. Yeah, I right. accept cash. It can't be a thousand. Over a yeah. thousand dollars. No, over no. five thousand if yeah. you're um less than a thousand rated, or three thousand if you're a thousand rated or more. But then Eric also played open, and then Noah played advanced and won advanced. Um, but they all played the same layout, so score wise, he came in third. Okay. Also, great idea by Lizzie right here. Foundation stamped jewels. I don't, I don't know what she's on tonight. I don't think Lizzie. it's on her. <laughs> all right. Definitely anyway. Kent or Katie. Uh, doubles results, they didn't post them. Um, so we don't know what happened there. And Dean's Cup starts tomorrow. So that's going to be exciting. Be I sure to follow us on Instagram to stay up to date with at least the Liberty matches. Um, yeah. And I know I Ferris, there. Yeah, Ferris is going to be live from there. Facebook yeah, as Ferris well. has a, it should be like FSU disc golf team, I believe. Something yeah. like that on Facebook. They'll, they'll always go live. And then College Disc Golf will cover all the matches, really. Um, just not, there won't be any post produced coverage and there'll be spotty live coverage here and there. But as far as stories go, if you're with us, FSU Disc Golf team and College Disc Golf, um, I don't know if the other teams coming have any uh, social media. If they do, uh, check them out too. But you should be able to stay up to date with all of it there. Yep. Uh, Benji Zorn says we should do Black Friday mystery boxes. I feel like he was in our business meeting the other day. I think he commented. It might not be the same dude. Someone commented like a month ago telling us to do Black Friday mystery boxes. And we were like, dude, that's a great idea. And then we forgot about it. And then we had a business meeting. And they were like, dude, we should do Black Friday mystery boxes. Yeah, so we're doing Black Friday mystery boxes. And indirectly... For the uh, 67 of you guys here, uh, you, uh, I probably shouldn't say it because it's going to be a mystery, but... I don't have them here yet. There may be a few of these in there. We, yeah, we do have a few that we uh, kept to the side for the mystery boxes. Yeah, but so if you didn't get one, literally like very, very limited amount. And we're but, also the mystery boxes is going to be essentially 50% off uh, as far as the value added. So if you're getting a hundred dollar yeah. mystery box, your guaranteed value in it is going to be close to 190 to 200 dollars. Yeah, and that mystery box, and that's guaranteed value. It could be worth more because not only do we have some crystal raptors, we have a few other discs set aside that uh, could be snuck in there that are worth quite, quite some money. So, right. All right, so let's get into... Well, is there any other non, non-topic non questions before we jump into our topic so we don't get sidetracked? I mean, I guess this one. Uh, every B-tier I've played in the last year, I've kept my eye on the rec division, and these guys are bagging just to win. The PDGA needs to stop this somehow. How can a player with a 909 rating throw rec or play rec? They shouldn't. Uh, that PDGA's already stopped that. That's on the tournament director. So the, the rec division cap is at 900. Um intermediate cap is at 935 and then advanced is any player above 935 rated has to play advanced uh so that's the amateur caps that the pdj is already set from there um it's on the tournament director to kind of enforce that there are some exceptions such as league play if you start a league in rec and you're 898 rated um if eight weeks in you're 905 rated since it's a league you're still going to play in the rec division even if you got to like 920 rated it's because of where you started type of a thing there are exceptions like that but um, as far as just normal tournaments go, yeah, rec players, 900 rated is the cap. Your family's killing me tonight. <sighs> All right. <laughs> I don't have anything to say. Um, so we're jumping into our topic. Yeah. Nothing else? Sick. <laughs> so we have... Uh, Shout out to the saltwater assassin. Oh, that's my father-in-law. Mm, yeah. I, said, I told him we'd do a custom, uh, custom stamp discs salt with the saltwater assassin. assassin. He told me he'd Goodness. sign them if we did it. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and uh, 
jumping jump to our this topic. We're getting we're very just, sidetracked. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm the. Uh, I feel like we're ear biscuits where they literally talk about. They get into like the these terrible. Bunny okay. Holes. All right. Here we go. The mentality of an am versus a pro, and this is basically just based on our experience, what we've seen. Me, I've seen as an amateur and a local pro, and then what you've seen playing as an amateur and then caddying for Paul and being around Paul, um, we should have a, a pretty good understanding of it. But I broke this down into several different areas that we'll talk about, and we're definitely going to have this open with the comments as well, so we'll be going to the comment section a lot. Sorry to people listening on Spotify and everything. Um, yeah, I forgot you, about that. You won't have the comment section advantage, uh, but... We're going to break it down. Practice rounds, tournaments, hole breakdowns, shot selection, aggressiveness, and putting are going to be the different topics that we talk about kind of comparing. So we're going to start it off with practice round. Um, so I'll go ahead and give my opinion, and then you can kind of add in if you want. Um, so with practice rounds, the biggest thing that I've noticed is pros will test several different shots kind of on each hole, and they'll know by tournament time exactly what disc they're throwing on that hole. So they'll have it set like hole one is a buzz for me. You know, they know if the headwind picks up a step up from a buzz is let's just say a stalker or whatever. You know what I mean? They'll, they know what disc and then they know their bag so well that they know where to make the adjustments if needed. Whereas AMS will, you know, they'll take multiple tee shots, but they make the mistake a lot of times. And this was a mistake I made a ton, especially early in my career is picking the shot that was best for the hole instead of the shot that was best for me on that hole. So let me explain that. Basically, let's say that you step up to a hole and you know me, if it's a 400 some foot hole and it looks like it's for a forehand, I can't reach that. So instead, for me, what it's going to be a smarter move to do is throw the backhand that I can get as farthest down as I can and stay in the fairway and then play it from there versus trying to throw the forehand and force it and crank on it, which is going to make my accuracy go down and me get off the fairway left or right. That was something that once I learned that in my transition from amateur to pro is that was something that drastically improved my game right um so what about for you what have you noticed in practice rounds versus pro <laughs> i was just complying to the comments what someone say uh disc golf comedy said take a drink and wink at the camera if you actually pay attention to the comments oh, there you and go. i did it okay so um what was the question <laughs> uh so in practice, rounds, about practice rounds. yeah um so one thing i i know that pros do that I for sure as heck don't as an amateur is um, <laughs> I don't take notes like they yep. literally write notes and I I, I care less as an amateur. Um, I'm not going to take notes, especially because I'm not trying to play at the next level. But if you do, you know, if you are an amateur and you're trying to play at the next level and you don't take notes, maybe you want to because maybe you're going to want to study it. Well, what are, what are the notes on? Like I, I saw Kona the other day. She posted it and I honestly can't remember what it said, but like it was just. Yeah. I throw this on this hole, and you know this is my landing spot. That's a good landing yep. spot. This is a bad landing spot. Um, you know, I if I throw something flippy here, if I land up all, too far to the right, then you know I'm going to pinch myself off. Yeah, I don't know, just like my what? first like two years at nationals because I don't. Okay, I'm like basically if you look at a local pro, which is all I am, it's just a top level amateur essentially. Right. Um, if we're being real. Yeah. So the only tournaments I've ever taken notes for is majors, which would be nationals or, you know, national tour events. I've played one or two of those. I take notes for those because I very, I want to play good at that. Right. Um, but I've gotten to the point that I take mental notes a lot during my practice rounds. But mm -hmm. what you're looking at is the tee shot, uh, what disc you want to choose. And then you're also looking at where you want to make your mistakes. 
So I know if I get up on a tee shot and I'm uncomfortable, like if it's really windy and I need to just play super safe, I know, hey, when the other day when I was playing my practice round, I realized I want to miss this right. Like if I'm going to make my mistake, I want to be right. So I'm going to make sure if I'm throwing a forehand, I'm going to put more hyzer on it to make sure it comes out on that angle. And if it mess, if I mess up, I'm going to mess up right. Right. Stuff like that is what you're taking notes is saying like, hey, the OB's really tight left of the basket. When I'm throwing my up shot, make sure I want to be 20 feet right. That's where I'm aiming. I'm not aiming at the pole. I'm aiming 20 feet right. That type of stuff is what you're taking notes on. And um, I will say all pros to a certain extent take notes, but they don't all write it down. For instance, Paul doesn't go out there and write down. But if you ask Paul, you know, on this hole, what, what are you throwing? Where are you aiming? He's like, well, I know I can't miss here. I've got to, I got to make sure when I throw this Luna, I'm turning it over. That type of a thing. So some pros take mental notes. Other pros actually physically write the notes. Yeah. But pros will almost always take notes when they're playing practice rounds. So that's a good one to bring up. Katie's now harassing our, our uh, fellow listeners. Come on, cat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and also... One thing that we forgot to do before was our, our, our uh, game. We'll do that after this. We'll okay. do that after this. Um, so I'm going to hop over into tournaments then. Do it. All right. So seasoned professionals, they're, they're going to be just as comfortable during a practice round as they are going to be during a regular tournament round. Yeah. Simply because they've been in the situation. Exactly. Now, during a practice round for myself, there's no pressure. You know, if I miss a 10-foot putt, I might miss it once or twice, not like our tournament that I've told this story many times, I took an eight while my fir- my birdie putt was from inside the circle and just putt, <laughs> putt, 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 putt. I'm not going to do that during a practice round, but when my chest is pounding and like you just can't stop shaking and then it's just, you know, nothing's going to fall. I- I'm going to be much more, you know, nervous during a regular round just because I have, I'm not in that situation all the time. Yeah. They do this for a living. So they're, they're going to be, um, they're yeah, going to be calm. And the key word in here is seasoned pros, as you said, because yeah. when you're just transitioning, you're going to be more nervous as a new pro than you were as an amateur. Right. Because basically at every level, you're going to get to a comfort level, right? Where if you show up and you're always playing am, you're going to get comfortable where you show up as an advanced player and you're like, yeah, I'm going to be in the top three even though I play bad today, right. which is when I always say that's when you need to move up. Um, but if, you know, if you're a new pro on the scene, whether that be a new touring pro or a new local pro, the nerves are going to be especially high because you're going to be watching people you know, perform at what you, in your current state, you're thinking that is as high as I can perform, and they're doing that average. Right. Um, and so that's why I think it was key that you said seasoned pros. is It's people who have been playing professional for a while. They're the ones that are really comfortable in tournament play, and you know, you'll even see them laughing off after bad shots and stuff like that. Right. So the next few bullet points basically talks about nerves and you know what happens after a bad shot. So professional most likely is going to take a bad shot and they're just going to blow it off. The next hole is a new hole just because they've taught themselves to you know react in such way. As an amateur, when I first started, eh, maybe not because I always took the game so lightly. But like I, I know people that I've played with co- on college, the college team, they had like the the first shot of the tournament was bad. Like, you didn't talk to them for the next three rounds. Yeah, they were done. Like, Gonzo never coming back from that. And, you know, they just blow up. Me, yes, I'm in that amateur position, but I'm just such a person that I like to laugh or make other people laugh. So even if I play bad, I, I kind of blow it off because it's not that big of a deal. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to be the next Paul McBeth. So if I have a bad shot, hey, no big deal. Like, it's okay. Like, yeah. I, you can't let, you know, the next shot ruin your day. So just kind of be... 
you know, take it more lightly. Yeah, this is something I like super struggled with because right. I've always my whole life been so competitive. Like I hate losing so much, no matter what it is I'm doing. Like I could, you could tell me you're the greatest ping pong player in the world and I'm going to try to beat you in ping pong because yeah. that's just who I am. And so when I first started playing disc golf and I got competitive, especially as an amateur, I would expect myself to execute on shots that players way out of my league were doing. And it just wasn't realistic. So when I tried throwing that 450 shot that I did once and I thought I could do it every time and it wouldn't work out, I would get ticked. And the next thing I knew, three holes later, it's affecting my game. That's something I've noticed with pros I've played with, especially touring pros I've played with. And then as I've gotten more developed in my game is you realize how much golf you have left. So I throw one bad shot, especially early on in the first round. And it's really easy for me to just be like, oh, well, like I've come back from this before. Like, you know, you can think back to moments you've done it before. And I think that's something that's key is thinking back. Hey, remember that one time I, you know, botched an upshot and then went on to birdie the next four holes. Yeah. Uh, It's always key to think back to moments like that. Yeah. Sorry. Someone making fun of how long I talk. No, no. Your family's just still going at it. All right. Um, so now we can go into hole breakdowns. Um, do you want to take that? Yeah, I'll or, take the, I'll take the bullet points we have here. Which, if you're if you're not new to the podcast, we do we did just say the word bullet points. We have bullet points oh, on our notes. Yeah, guys, we actually, we have, actually have notes. Take notes. Okay. Yeah. If you're new L- to the podcast, new, that new. seems. If you're new to the podcast, you're like, duh, you're doing a podcast. Yeah. But if you've been here a while, that's new. There um, there have been times where we were like, hey, what's the podcast tonight? <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know. Wait, it Starts in thirty minutes. Zach, Zach will show up and we're like setting up for the podcast. He's like, what's our topic? And I'm like. Yeah. Oh, dang, dude. <laughs> but not anymore. We take this more seriously now. Okay, hole breakdowns. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on the practice round side, but hope, wow, <laughs> pros will take mental notes on which holes they can attack and what situations um, they can attack holes that they're more content with par. So this was something that was taught to me by a coach on the Liberty team uh, because what happened was as an amateur, I got really good at shooting par and just playing par because at a lot of tournaments, if you look at it, if you just shoot par, par, par and sneak in a few birdies as an am, you're going to be winning as a pro. That's not the case. So I got to the point that I could shoot par on whatever course you put me on. And that's all I was playing for. I was yeah. just playing for par. Cause that's what was coach had taught me. And then he was like, Hunter, you got to learn when to attack. He's like, if you step up to a hole and you can get there like nine times out of 10, you've got to attack that hole every time. And right. you need to learn how to attack. And also you need to learn now that you know how to play for par, which holes to play for par, which holes to attack. And that's something that I've always remembered because when I walk onto a course now, I can look and I can be like, this hole is meant for me. Like I can throw this shot. I'm going to attack this hole. This next hole that's a long sidearm, that's a hole I'm playing for par. Even if the rest of the card birdies it, I'm not worried about it because in my head, I know this is a hole I'm not attacking. That's something that I think was a huge difference for me, AMs versus pros, is seeing uh, on the amateur side, players will get stuck in an attack mentality or they'll get stuck in uh, um par mentality one or the other yeah and neither is good because if they get stuck in the attack, attack mentality they're going for stuff they should never go for and so that's why you see advanced players sometimes will pop off a 10 30 rate around and the next round's 898 story of my life yeah like the, the reason yeah. is just going for stuff to where when everything's clicking boom 10 32 when a little bit's off 898 and then what will happen is you realize, okay, well, I know I can get this shot every time. And so then that 898 becomes less and less likely as you mentally say, I'm going to lay up here. I'm going to go for it here. And then, you know, you bring in average to like mid 900s. Yeah. Um, final points here was pros understanding risk versus reward. 
uh, and making calculated decisions on when to be risky versus not. Whereas AMs can get baited into risky shots a lot easier than pros are able to. So, you know, sometimes course design will, you'll step up and it's just like rip this as hard as you can. Whereas the pro can see, I really just need to throw a hyzer and lay up and then lay up again. Um, whereas the AM might try to go for broke. So what about you? Have you noticed anything with, uh, Hole breaks downs that I didn't mention there. Holes breaks downs. Holes breaks downs. Um, yeah. This, uh, well, first of all, there it is. Sorry, the mic fell. We, we kind of expected that. We lost the rubber band that holds it on there. Okay, so before I say what I'm going to say, uh, if you're new to this, the chat is usually not like this, just so you know. Okay, so one thing I do want to say on the pro side, from the best of the best to an average, like a... a you come in 10th place all the time, like a, a Paul versus a, let's just say, I don't know, Nate Sexton. Yeah. Like doesn't come in 10th all the time, but safe golfer, very aggressive golfer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when the pros are like, I- I'm going to, I'm playing this one real safe. And then Paul steps up and he's like, you know, for example, this at Northwoods, you know, everyone was like, I'm playing for par, I'm playing for par. And Paul's like, I'm playing for birdie on literally every hole. Yeah. Like it's just... There's a different mentality just from the top to like 10th place. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you don't have the same mentality as whatever Hunter was just saying, not it's not bad, but just remember, you know, your game is going to fit your game. Well, I think, like, yeah, your mentality needs to match your skill level. Yeah. Because there's, there's players at Worlds that if they would have had with, you know, skill twice mine, you know, twice, really 90% of us watching, if they would have had the same mentality as Paul, they would have still lost worlds by 30 or 40 strokes but once you get to a certain point you know because what i was saying was like you can have the know which holes you're capable of attacking so when you're paul you step up and you're capable of attacking every hole so then for him it makes sense to say 18 of 18 holes i'm attacking because that's how good he is whereas a player like me maybe five of 18 holes i'm attacking maybe it depends on the course you know what i mean right so understanding yourself as a player i think is something that's big when you're looking at an amateur player versus a professional right um i guess should we stop to ask questions or we do have questions at the end uh if it's related to the mentality go for it Mm, nope just disc golf questions um all right so we'll answer those at the end then yeah um so aggressiveness shot selections we're still on no we just did hole breakdown did we not no we definitely just did whole break. All right. So we are here on shot, shot selection. selection. I guess we did. Um, okay. Pros knows they pros, pros knows, knows there's this. Pros know their discs very well. And as an amateur, I would say I know my discs well, not very well. Um, you know, there are some times I'm like, well, this is a headwind or this is a left to right. So what is this disc gonna do? They know every single wind possibility what their disc is exactly going to do if they put it on what angle, any mm-hmm. angle, right? That's something that if you practice more, you know, you would, you would understand. So amateur... Another thing, too, is pros tend to have the same bag across the board. You know what I mean? Like, if you look at, well, not to say Paul's bag, but Paul's bag just changed. But if you look at Paul's bag with Innova, his bag was very much the same for the last five or six years he was at Innova. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas a am or even like a local pro like me, discs are constantly coming in and out to where Agreed. like an Onyx, I'm like, I really want to try this disc. So I'm put this in, take that Thunderbird out and I'm gonna put the, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's really hard to know your discs. Whereas a pro is going to consistently be like, 
I know what this is going to do because this disc or a similar disc to this has been in my bag for years and years and years and years. Right. And you also got to, if you haven't watched our Ripped Revenge uh, video that came out yesterday, you should because you'll notice when we look at uh, Haley King's bag and then Adam Hammes's bag. And Paul's bag. Well, yeah. And Paul. I was just saying because we talked about their bag. Oh, no. Yeah. We, we, we did about talk Adam, about Paul's bag. Paul's, yeah. Um, they prop, like, Haley has like seven Zeus's in her bag. And Adam has like six Zeus's and four forces. And it's just, it's crazy because if you look at my bag, two destroyers, two Zeus's, a force, um, you know, like another driver, like, a, like a, a thrasher. I have like one or two, maybe I, I have, I probably have one of almost everything. And then maybe two or three discs. I have more than one more. I have more than one. Yeah. So like the bag is just not put together as well as a pros would be. Yeah. Simply because, you know, they have seven Zeus's that do different things. Yeah, and they know what each one's going to do. Right, exactly. They, they're like, oh, I can throw this Zeus with 50% power, and it's going to do, like... Or, or not even that it's going to do different things. Maybe, like, three of them do different things, but they got, like, four backups. If I lose my... Your white destroyer. Yeah, if I lose my white destroyer, I don't have another flippy destroyer in yeah. my bag. So, like, what am I supposed to throw on full power and that's, that's when actually going to flip over? And that's when you buy a new disc. And then right, exactly. Yeah. That's the cycle of an AM, basically. Right. Because I've, I always go in and out of my bag's really simple to my bag's really complicated. So, the simplest my bag ever was was right before last year uh, with when we switched to Prodigy when I was 90% Innova. I had destroyers, Thunderbirds, a TL... And then MD3s. And then I forget where my potties were. But that was it. That was my bag. And I just right. had a bunch of each of them. Ever since then, it's been <laughs> Prodigy. I had one of pretty much every mold they made. And they all flew different. Um, and then now my bag's Discraft. And I couldn't even tell you what's in my bag because it changes every week. Right. I would, And even like mid-ranges, you know, they might have like four buzzes. I literally have five mids and they're all different. Mids is something I will always have one mid. Always. Because I just... There's something about the consistency feeling a disc in your hand that's the same disc but it does something different and knowing i can throw this buzz flat and hard and depending on which buzz i grab is where it's going to finish differently yeah feels really good to me so regardless of its buzzes md3s whatever uh even with prodigy it was m2s uh there's always going to be one mid in my bag that's just something that i i live by and love so Okay, um, so we, we covered a few more of those, but AMs are more likely to force themselves to throw a shot they're not comfortable with because they feel like it's what the hole calls for. But as we kind of talked about before, you need to play your strengths to yeah. the hole. Not Don't let the hole play you. You know, just like what Hunter was saying. If it's a 400-foot forehand shot, you know, just because that's what it calls for doesn't mean that's what he's going to throw. So you need to get out there and throw it you know, okay, you can't reach it. You're ending up in the woods right every time, throwing a forehand, throw the backhand, and try and land in the middle. Like, you have to – don't let the hole play you. Make sure you play to your strengths, and that's what a pro will do is – Absolutely. Like what Hunter was saying. But me, I- I'm probably not going to throw the backhand. I'm going to power the forehand as hard as I can. Well, and that's, your, that's your play style too, though. Well, you can throw the 400-foot forehand. <laughs> yes. But l- I was going to say, but let's just say during practice, I'm short – 40 times woods right every time i'm probably still gonna throw the forehand like i i just yeah like i'm an amateur like that's just <laughs> what i do like i won't go for that middle shot one thing i've also seen a lot um with when i was playing am was if three out of the four players like let's say that you're bottom of the card and the first three players throw a certain shot i've seen i can't even count the amount of times i've seen someone with a disc in their hand 
and then they go back and they switch a disc to try to match the shot the first three people threw, and it 90% of the time doesn't work out. Yeah. So if you're on a tee and, you know, everyone just threw this sick anti-flex shot and it all worked out and they're all putting for eagle and you never practice it, you just practice the safe hyzer or something, don't switch it and just try to go big just yeah. because everyone else just went big. Yeah. Just play your game and worry about it later. You know, that's something that maybe you can do, you know, maybe the anti-flex or whatever line, but that's something you should have figured out in practice. Right. If you didn't figure it out in practice, you're not comfortable with it, don't switch it in a tournament. That, I think, is another huge difference. Uh, you'll watch pros on Jomez. Um, th- my favorite thing is when they do that four follow flight, and you can see there's four different disc flights. Yeah. In AM, I would bet that there's like two disc flights mm-hmm. because most likely someone else influenced their shot mm-hmm. to where Paul knows... And you can see it if you watch Paul or you watch any pro, really. They're stepping up to the tee. A few of them will have two discs in their hands because they're thinking, like, you know, maybe they practice two different shots and they don't know which one they're feeling. But for the most part, they have a disc in their hand and they step up, you know, and they just throw it. It doesn't matter what the person in front of them did. It doesn't matter what the person behind them was just telling them they're going to do. They throw the shot they know. And I think that's a, a huge difference between an amateur level player and a pro. I agree with that. Um. Aggressiveness, I feel like we've we've covered um indirectly through a lot of other ones but basically just knowing when to attack a hole and when not to attack a hole um i don't have too much more to say on aggressiveness other than you know what's already been said unless you do no not more just because we've literally talked about being aggressive yeah on almost every almost every point we've said something about aggressive all right so our final point here is the most important one yeah the most important one and the biggest difference i hear this all the time when ams switch up to pro even on the local pro scene the number one thing i hear is Every pro can putt. And if you think about it, it's pretty true, which, you know, that's a big thing is I've seen a lot of AMs that can throw better than me. They can throw farther than me, but you put them inside the circle and their putting isn't going to be good. It's an issue. And the main thing is practicing because pros understand that putting is where you're going to make your money. So as a, if you're playing pro, you know, I've been there many times. I get inside the circle and I watch three people behind me outside the circle bang their putts, and then I'm like 28 feet, and I miss it, and I lose a stroke to them, and I'm like, dude, all I had to do was hit a 28-footer. Like, I can't do that. Like, it gets very frustrating, but that's the biggest thing that you'll notice change. Um, And all it is really is confidence, especially inside the circle. If I gave you a Frisbee and I stood 30 feet away from you, you could throw it straight to me every time. But if I give you a disc and I put the basket 30 feet away, that becomes a whole different story for everyone. I think you can make it a lot closer than 30 feet. 20 feet, 10 feet. My dude, how close was the putt I just missed the other day? <laughs> You'll see it in the video. He was like five feet. Guys, we shot a video yesterday. Yeah, we, yeah, shot, we, a, shot, uh, we shot a face off yesterday. It'll come out next week. No joke. <laughs> I was five feet from the back. It was one of the worst putts I've ever seen. Like Hunter looked at me. He was like, did that just happen? I was like, I was, very, I, I was confused. Happened. I missed it. I, it really happened. But anyway. yeah, the biggest thing is confidence in that. Um, and another thing that comes with confidence of, you know, putting a lot, and that's just repetitions to get that confidence, is being able to run longer putts. Yeah. So you'll see James Conrad, Paul, all these guys running crazy long putts, and you're like, man, like they're idiots for running a 100 footer. It's like, well, no, they're not, because they know they're going to be 25 feet past if they miss. And that's a 99.9% make percentage. You know what I mean? Like, yeah whereas for me if i run that 100 footer and i'm 25 feet back my knees are knocking as i'm going down like (laughs) here comes a bogey you know what i mean um but for them and you know you have to know your comfort range and know okay i can run a 60 footer put me 20 feet past i'm fine with that right when i get to 80 feet i might be 25 feet past i'm laying up right 
Another story here. Um, this just has to do with confidence and the putting. What are you laughing at? I don't know because you keep laughing. It makes me feel like I'm missing something. No, no, no. This is myself because you've heard. I think you might have heard the story. It's like three years ago. I think we're still at the Hippodrome for college disc golf. Three years ago, mm-hmm. and um, I'm playing. Uh, what's it called something dunes? Dunapace. Dunapace dunes, and it's a wide open hole, wide open course. But everything, all the. All the baskets are like on mounds or, you know, the putts. If you miss a putt, it's going to roll for a little while. And I had Paul on the bag. Paul was literally caddying for me. And this is, you were on champ flight this year. Was I? You were playing in singles, done a pace dunes? Yeah. Yeah, I think you were because I played singles, done a pace, and Paul walked over to me. Yeah, like yeah. Half like it around. Okay. And I, I kid you not, the best player in the world is sitting there laughing at me <laughs> because I was 15 feet away from the basket and I would lay up. <laughs> i would lay up he's like zach what are you doing it's 15 feet i'm like paul i'm you know i'm gonna miss like you saw me miss how many so the confidence thing is ridiculous yeah like if i if i had confidence this would be a totally different story and we'd be what was that i don't know we would both be talking about right now how we were both like 960 because like i'd be able to literally putt yeah that same round though my putty so Going into that round, I put so much pressure on myself. The same round you were playing in, because the year before, I uh, played out of my mind, and I knew I couldn't live up to it again, but everyone expected me to. And so going into that round, I put a ton of pressure on myself, and the thing that suffered the most was my putting. I would bet inside the circle I was like 50%, which for me is really bad, because I'm not, a, I'm not a thrower. I am a putter through and through. Um <laughs> But I mean, I Paul like halfway through the round started like watching ba- bouncing back and forth, and I get to one hole, or I might have been playing Dunapace when you were playing Moody, Moody, or whatever we played. Yeah, I think we might have played opposite courses because Paul was with me for a lot of the round. But one round, one of the holes, I threw uphill. I kid you not, I was with I was inside fifteen feet. It had to be ten feet or less. So Paul walks away, and this is like my second to last hole. I airballed the putt and then had like a twenty foot comebacker that I missed and bogeyed it. And then I bogeyed the final hole. And so I walked down the hill and Paul's like, did you go birdie birdie? I was like, I went bogey bogey. He's like, but you parked that one hole. I was like, yeah, yeah, I missed it. And he's like, how the heck did you miss that? And I'm like, I don't know, but it was just, it's, it's in your head because if you put me at that putt any other day of the year, it's dead center. It's easy. Like we're talking me to this camera. Like I could throw anything and hit that camera lens. And, but it's just the confidence and the pressure you put on yourself in a tournament um, can really break it down. Yeah, so. for sure. I mean, last thing about this tournament, uh, you know, whole, what was it? Three. That we, have time, a lot, we have a lot of scars from this tournament. We do the whole three. When you threw that forehand, like 20 feet. Yeah. Okay. That hole, uh-huh. I was on the flat ground where the basket is and laid up. Okay. Well, at least that it's one, like, there's a huge drop off behind the basket. It's 10 feet though. Okay. never mind. You got to have com- right. You have I mean, you, yeah, the confidence. Like that's what I'm trying to say. When you're, when you're, yeah, you basically though, you need to know yourself what your what your circle is yeah. of i'm never gonna miss this for some of us it might be five feet <laughs> um but you just got to know that and so i think that's the biggest difference for pros is a pro circle paul's circle of confidence is probably 35 feet oh, yeah. of 35 feet i'm making this or i'm at least hitting metal yeah. my circle of confidence is right now probably like 15 feet but when i was playing a lot like 20 feet to where i knew 20 feet it's going in yeah um so yeah you just got to know yourself and practice enough to have the confidence in the tournament to execute on the putt and that's all we really had on the topic today but don't leave because we do have stuff we have a lot more coming up. right now we're going to play a quick game 
let's let's read the comments first. All right, let and me then go back we're to gonna the top because we're gonna read some comments, uh, answer some questions you guys had, and then we're going to uh, play a quick game that we love to play, um, and then that'll be our transition into talking about USDGC. So then people have time to kind of get off the podcast if they if they don't want to hear what what went down today. Right, I'm just trying to find like the best ones. Um, talk for a second. I have no idea what to say. I mean, I will. I don't know if I need to, but I'll apologize for anything my family said. Zach was laughing the whole time, so it's just funny. Okay, <laughs> this wasn't a uh, question, but this I'll tell you. Disc golf comedy said, "I gotta go, but I just want to say you guys are doing great. Keep hustling. Maybe our mass, hmm, what? Maybe our paths will cross, and we could do a disc golf comedy versus foundation face off. That'd be sick. I don't know where they are. I feel like they're from out of the U.S. though. Oh, I could be um, wrong. Well, is he really Australian? Maybe he just makes up the Australian accent. I don't okay. know. Um, <laughs> who is Paul Macbeth? I'm assuming that was Gabby. Mm, yeah, and then someone like answered him and said, "Just maybe like one of the best players in the world." Like I don't know if they were there for that whole. Co- yeah. Um, quick question. I feel bad for everyone that thinks they're being serious. They're I know. Like, oh, these poor people. Because one of them said, "Like, how do I throw the disc like through the uprights?" Or like, <laughs> okay, so ready? I'm gonna quote this person right now. Quote. So, quick question. I don't blaze herb, and I've met a bunch of disc golfers who indulge. I don't care. Uh, I could care less, but how do I go about telling people on my card not to smoke during our rounds? End quote. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's a very common problem. During, so if you're playing in a tournament, the easiest thing is to be like, hey, like, I'm going to ask you to stop. If you don't, I can call you on a courtesy violation, and you can get stroked every time you smoke after that. Um, but... I'm assuming this is during casual rounds because most people don't smoke during tournaments. Um, the way I always go about it is I'm like, hey, man, you know, I would really appreciate it if when you smoke, you stay far away from me because, well, for me, I have asthma, so that makes it an easy cop out for me. If you don't have asthma, pull the asthma card or just be like, honestly, <laughs> I just don't really want to breathe it. Uh, like, you can do what you want to do, but just try to stay away from me if you don't mind. Um, now, if you're worried, like, they're smoking pot and you're worried legal-wise about that, um, just be like, Hey, to be honest with you, dude, I'm just not comfortable with it. Uh, if you wouldn't mind stopping, if they don't stop, just leave. Yeah. Um, I will, I will say there's several times that a player has offered me a ride to or from lunch or something. And I know that they are, you know, marijuana users and I'm worried that it could be in the car. And by me being in the car, if I got pulled over sure. association, so I'll be like, Hey, nah, it's, if it's cool with you, I'm just going to drive and stuff like that. You know, there's a nice way to go about it to make sure you don't, you know, if I was, if it was Zach that was doing it, I'd be like, "Hey, you bonehead, stop! Like, come on now!" Yeah, uh, because to me, that's the last thing our sports needs is more of the hippie culture uh, and stuff like that. Now, if you're in a spot like Colorado or somewhere where it's legal, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, you do you, whatever. Uh, if you're in that spot and you're trying to get them to stop, then just approach it like I approach cigarettes. Of like, "Hey, man, I don't care if you smoke, just." I'd appreciate it if it was away from you. If you're in a spot, it's illegal. I would be kind of careful how you're, how close you are with the situation just because of the fact that you could get caught with it. Yeah. Um, and people you let ride with you too, because if you ever get pulled over and the cop asks you to search your car and you're like, well, yeah, I don't care. And then they find marijuana. It doesn't matter that it's not yours. You're still going to go down for it. So yeah. keep that in mind. Uh, meekly says that he's got like 60 videos uh, from me. He was on the bag for me at Moody Woods that year. Oh, yeah. Uh, Meekly, send them all we to need me them. or whenever we hang out. I think, it, I don't know what day it is. But um, airdrop them all to Zach. Yeah, because 
I can start doing on our Instagram, like something Mondays, like, you know, <laughs> moody Mondays, if it's all at moody woods, <laughs> moody Mondays. And I'll post videos on our Instagram. Uh, we'll just find a bunch of our bloopers. Oh, for sure. Even if they're in like regular videos, Even if they're not our moody. bloopers. We can have people send us bloopers. Yeah. We should start bloopers. that as a, okay. Anyway, we're going to start that, that we literally just thought of it. Moody Mondays. Doesn't matter where it is. Think of all the bloopers we have from our face-offs. Oh, plenty. Yeah, we we got this. Moody Mondays. Send us your your. Send us something that goes wrong in uh, your disc golf life, and then we will we'll, we'll post them. And if we don't have stuff from you, we can fill it with Zach and I's blunders. Yeah, all over the course. Okay, so this next segment is going to be new. We're going to do it at the beginning usually, but we forgot. Um, we do this with our Patreons usually. And we just love it. I don't know why he's cracking up Because I'm so excited. Um, so what we're going to do is we randomly pick a disc from the back. I give one to Hunter. He gives it to me. And we just have to... Guess mm, the disc. Yeah. Just have to guess, you know, the disc. And whoever gets it right wins. And then we could, you know, maybe keep track and at the end of our podcast. I'll, I'll start making a note on, there you go. on my notes. Meekly said he's looking at them now. It's all overhands and upshots. Well, that's fine. That, that's still funny. That could be Zach's. That would be your nickname. What? Overhand and upshot. Overhands and upshots. That would be like, that should have been our nickname? podcast name. You, you mean, Overhands and upshots. That's your uh, whole game. That's your life. Also, if you guys haven't watched, I don't really throw overhand anymore. That's true. If you guys haven't watched uh, the video that we put out yesterday, first of all, it's pretty funny. We also did, uh, we tried our hand at commentary for the first time ever, and uh, it might not be funny to you, but some people actually seem to enjoy it. We had a good time. It so was regardless good. Regardless of what people think, we, it, it was we, a fun we time. enjoyed ourselves. We uh, need a name for our commentary <laughs> duo. Please we also drop us a name. We also need to apologize to Jeff Corns for going after oh, him so well, hard. That's what you get when you make fun of us like the whole day <laughs> nah, before. It was, it was all in good yeah, fun. It was we fun. were we were trash talking back and forth the whole round. Not just us and Jeff. Paul was in. Adam was oh, in. Oh yeah. Only person that didn't trash talk. Haley did some, yeah. Did she? Occasionally. So who didn't? No one. I was about to say the only person wasn't in was Haley, but I think she she said a few. She had a few lines. She might have. So. All right, so close your eyes. I'll give you your disc. My disc first? Yeah. Let's do this. Are they closed? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Hold on. Wait, let me show everybody. Okay. I was just trying to make sure I'm on the mic so that they can still hear me. All right. Here you go. Thank you, Hannah. <laughs> she said the commentary was actually hilarious. Um, if you guys just tuned in because we just got a few new people, I don't know why I'm whispering, but uh, <laughs> new segment we're going to start doing, just guessing uh, disc. I honestly have no clue what this is. All right, you got 10 seconds. 10 seconds? Yep. Frick, frick, frick. Uh, I'm going to go T-Bird 3. Okay, and you are wrong. Oh, it's a raptor. Yep. I almost said crystal raptor, but um, the A, it didn't feel like crystal. I'm Ooh, so sorry. Easy. <laughs> Hope that wasn't too loud. B, this feels really shallow. Mm-hmm. Like, not shallow, but like, uh, doesn't feel as wide as I thought. So as soon yeah. as I, I grabbed it and I said raptor in my head, and I was like, no. Should have stuck with it. Uh, somebody said they prefer our videos without commentary because it's fun to see our on the course banter. Yeah, our commentary was all right. The so, whole reason we, yeah, the whole reason we did commentary was um, the banter was nonstop and it was really hard to follow when I cut it together without it. Also, couldn't really hear it because a lot of the times our new camera woman wasn't like very close or whatever. Yeah, which where she would miss it. it yeah, it, it, which I mean, not neither here nor there. There was just. Like, we'd be walking up the fairway, trash-talking back and forth, and there was yeah. important stuff that, like, would have made the video funny that we had to explain. So that's why we normally don't do commentary, but we did it in this video just because it was really 
it was really hard to follow when I edited it without. So if you were new here and that's your first video, we typically don't. This upcoming week, we'll have commentary um, just because the video without it, again, about halfway through the video, we realized that we were playing like we were going to have commentary, and so we just said, screw it, we're going to have commentary. So, all right, Zach, time for your disc. Okay, so... Here we go. I don't know. I don't know what, what you were saying. So I was reading that comment. That was not very nice. Oh. Okay. Your eyes closed. Oh yeah, but I covered my mouth. All right, I'm just gonna close my eyes, people. I trust them. Don't look at my hair. I have a toupee. Okay, I don't think you're gonna guess this, but here you go. Mm, yeah. No, not a chance. Ew. This is terrible. <laughs> My, where is this? I'm gonna back it up. Okay. PA three. No, I'll give you one more guess. You have ten seconds. Oh man, that was quick. Is it mm, dynamic? Yeah. Well, it's one of their putters, obviously. Like a uh, well, I don't know all their putters. A warden? No, it's a beaded warden. It's a judge. This is disgusting. That's their prime plastic. You know what's funny is that did not feel like a judge. I've thrown. I I used to have a judge in my bag. What's funny is, oh, uh, maybe not. Ugh. The what the Discmania putter you put with the link. Yeah. Their plastic comes from Dynamic. That the link does. The link's plastic. So I'm pretty sure it's either Prime or Classic. Well, I mean, my the one's soft. Oh, so that's probably classic. And it's it doesn't feel like this. I bet at all. it's. I bet it's classic. Is it like this? No, who knows? I don't know. That's, they make I don't the same know. Plastic. Maybe it's this one. First off, I don't know why your hand's making that noise. I guess mine does a little bit, but okay. Um, right. Our well, commentary duo should be. So we both got zero on the first. Two ams and a mic. Two. That's pretty good. Mm. Yeah, uh, the video where Eagle and Simon play this is impressive. Well, if you were, well, you probably weren't, but the uh, whoa. We played this game last week or two weeks ago for our Patreons and I had like six discs and I guess like five of them right and it was like it was in my hand and I guessed it. It was in my hand and I guessed it. I think he was cheating personally. Okay. So um, all right. So here is the transition. If you do not want to know what happened with USDGC today, uh, if you're waiting for the commentary and everything to come out tomorrow, this is your time. I'm going to give you like five seconds to go ahead and uh, if you're listening on Spotify, tune us out. Or if you're on uh, YouTube, go ahead and leave. Um, if you hang around, there will be plenty of spoilers. There will be plenty. We're going to talk literally about scores, what went down. I'm not seeing anybody leave, everything. so uh, maybe you already looked at UDisc. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm assuming the, the people here want to hear. Um, one person left. Okay. Woohoo! So, one person wow. one person was waiting on Jomez. Uh, everyone else must have been watching. All right. So, uh, here we go. What happened on day uh, one hunter seriously like what the happened today <laughs> i mean like i don't really know i'm gonna pull up you disc because i, I have you disc uh, pulled up also i am just in shock i don't know if i'm in shock as much as everybody else here but can somebody explain to me what the happened yeah if you if you i'm assuming you watched because if you if you hung around but oh another person um, See ya. we have not seen play like this from paul Possibly, like, when? It, ever. This, what, what was okay. his rating? Let's look that up really fast. Rating from today um, for Paul's round, and then we'll 
we'll talk about Paul's round for a little bit. Um, Hold on, guys. I'm still I'm still scrolling. Uh, you're about five spots away. Should be in this. He's in this range right there. Nine eighty eight. Nine eighty eight. That is that has to be the, that's the lowest rating I've ever seen. From it's Paul. gonna it's gonna drop. Well, oh, it doesn't count. It doesn't USTC drops anyways. Um, he took his 11, 12, and 13 stretch went 6, 9, 8. Um, from what I understand, he had grip issues. He lost his grip, his uh, birdie bag. Um, but one thing I will say, this is round one. There's 54 holes left to disc off. If we counted Paul out, we would be idiots. To win? To win. If we counted him completely out from day one, we'd be idiots. He, I mean, I won't say he's ever made a comeback of this big, but I will say if we look at the, the leaderboard, we're looking at Chris Clemens in the lead. We're looking at Simon Lazat, Drew Gibson, Nathan Queen, uh, and then there's a bunch of people tied below them. Um, he's 14 strokes out, right? Six plus eight. Yeah. 14 strokes out. But we're not looking at, like, we're basically, we're not looking at the players that are normally competing up top with him. You know what I mean? Simon well, is going to go big on this course. Okay. That got him where he is today, but that could also get him where Paul is. Yeah, but you also have in fifth place, Eagle and Sexton. Eagle's the They're same way. They're not going anywhere. Sexton, I would bet, is going to shoot about the same score every round. So that puts him at a total of 24 under par for the tournament, um, which Paul would have to shoot. 10 under the next three rounds to tie. Yeah. Well, so I, you know. that's why I'm saying looking at the leaderboard, we can't count Paul out, but he's nowhere. He's about 83 spots lower than he wanted to be after day one, which if you're wondering, he is in 83rd. Uh, and also news flash page Pierce beat him. Yeah. Page page actually shot pretty well. Um, she shot, I believe a two over. Yeah, there she is. And 58th place, which, um, is close to the cash line. She said she'll cash this year. She said it. Yeah. So she would be the second woman in history to cash. If she was able to, uh, the other woman playing Kristen Tatar is in mm-hmm. 112th place at Shot 13, 13 over, over par. Um, but Paige at, at two over, I mean, realistically, if she can shoot, you know, sneak in a round at even or, or so the next two days, um, we could really be looking at the second woman in history to cash here. I mean, I think um, that it's possible. It's definitely possible. I know Especially the court- if you look at the birdies on the back. That's impressive. I don't know if you're looking at her U-disc, no. but uh, she birdied hole 10, 13, 14, she, 16, and 17. She birdied anything that Paul took, like that triple one? Or, um, well, he went what? Yeah. Two triples? Uh, Paige took a four on hole 13, um, and Paul took an eight. On hole 13, Paige also took a 5 to Paul's 9 on 12. Okay. Um, someone on Reddit ran the numbers, and basically he has to shoot uh, at least 13 under a round to match last year's podium. I will say the course, from what I've heard, is playing harder this year. Oh, for sure. I talked to Adam Hammes uh, yesterday, and he was telling me it's ridiculous. Like, so, it's hard. I, yeah, it's. I mean, we're talking about almost a miracle for Paul to come back and win. Yeah. Um, because we are talking about basically double digits under for the next three rounds, but he knows that. And I think if you saw his Instagram post today, um, he's thinking <laughs> he's the same thing as me. Out, just so yeah, you know. He's thinking the same thing as me. Whereas, yeah, I don't know. Okay. The first thing that came to my mind was if you ever watched the Patriots when they were down 28 to three to the Atlanta, uh, what, why did I just forget Atlanta? Paul Eagle today? Yeah. He Eagled hold 10. 
Oh, I didn't even know that. Um, what is the Atlanta Falcons, right? Uh, when they were down 28-3, Julian Edelman uh, is walking on the sidelines talking to Tom Brady, and he's like, can you... He's like, uh, they're down 28-3 in the Super Bowl, and he was saying, like, man, this is going to be unreal. Like, they, they're going to talk about this comeback for years. They're down 28-3 in the Super Bowl with no chance of coming back, and he's like, man... You know, you, I can't wait for this comeback. They're going to talk about us for years because of this. Yep. Uh, that's the mindset that I think, I hope Paul's in, I'll say. From his post, it looks like he's in. Um, and if he's in that mindset, he does have a chance. But, I mean, we're really betting on the fact of Chris Clemens, who's a very, you know, at, at one time at least, he was the highest rated left-handed player in the world. I don't know if that's still true, but he is not... It's not a fluke to see him up there. We know Simon has the capability to play like this every day. Drew Gibson, another bomber you can see, you know, destroyed the course today with three bogeys, still shot seven under. Uh, Nathan Queen, another lefty. Nate Sexton, forehand player. There's no, there's no mistake on the lead card. Um, there's, no, there's no fluke. There's no shock really to me to see them on the lead card, any one of those players. Um, so it's going to take something. And now that I look at Nate, Nate Queen... He took a seven on hole 12, a triple bogey, and still shot seven under. Um, so we're not, we're not talking about scrubs that just happen to come out there and play hot. These are very good players, but we can't call, count Paul out yet. I think if he, after tomorrow, hasn't made up a handful of strokes, then we can, then we can rediscuss that. But it still was a very shocking first day. Yeah, and uh, yeah. And when I saw, you know, his round started okay and then got a little bit slower and a little bit slower. And then one of the holes, you know, it said like off the fairway, um, throwing whatever after three OBs, I texted Hunter. I was like, like, what, what just what, happened? What just like, happened? is this real? Yeah. Like I, I couldn't, I genuinely couldn't believe it. And it's kind of crazy, you know, to think about how, uh, just how good he is that we are such in such shock yeah i mean i think everyone's in such shock and yes he's human like this these things happen but i was expecting an injury i was expecting as was i i was expecting we texted jeff corns who was down there with him and like what what happened and i was expecting him to respond like oh dude he came down with like a super bad cold last night or he you know dislocated his pinky i don't know i was expecting some type of injury some type of something to come up yeah, um, I think we just, I think we froze. I mean, we're we're freezing on his phone, but we're fine over there on the screen. Because we're on Wi-Fi on my phone. Mm-hmm. You've been on it. Yeah, no, I'm just saying it's my Wi-Fi will be slow while we're, while we're doing this. Sorry. Um, um, so, yeah. Another thing I want to talk about is Ken Climo. He did yeah. not finish. He DNF'd. He's had a nagging injury. I saw a quote that he's played only three tournaments over the last 10 years. Or not really? three tournaments, three rounds. Sorry. So someone said what or maybe not 10 years no maybe way. it's 10 rounds over the last three years I, that was it 10 rounds over the last three years um i had that backwards but th- that's not a lot of golf especially for someone ken climo yeah uh, i thought that he dnf'd because like the champ always plays and then doesn't play mm-hmm. the last the hole. whole reason he hasn't been playing is he hasn't been able to play he, he has a nagging injury so every year he plays one or two holes he can't play anymore this year he said i think i can at least get 18 in He's pretty confident. You can see he started off three under through five holes. Yep. Through seven holes, he was still three under. Um, hole nine, he took a seven, but it looks around hole 13, something happened to where he started to get. I'd imagine his injury started flaring up because you see 
13 through 17. He went bogey, 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 bogey. Wow. Bogey, bogey, <laughs> bogey, bogey, double bogey, uh, and then DNF'd, which we know he couldn't finish the tournament because he has to do live coverage and everything. Right. Um, but still, to start off three under through five, when he started off two under through two, I was like, oh, my God. I know. Like, me too. What on earth? Um, so that, that was so cool to see. I wish he could have finished his round. He, I'm sure he wishes he could have finished his round, too. But some shout outs that I do want to give, uh, first of all, to uh, Lance Brown. Absolutely. Uh, we've talked about him before on this podcast, a f- good friend of ours. Also, congratulations. He just got engaged like two weeks ago. Yep. I texted him today. Um, but he shot uh, six under, had that uh, leading score in the clubhouse for a good, you know, a while good of the of day. The time, yeah. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people came in with the same scores. So, unfortunately, he'll be on third card tomorrow because it looks like Cameron Colgazer has a higher PDGA number and yeah. pushed him off second card. But shout out to him. Um, he, what are you looking at? I'm just trying to see what, who his card's going to be. Oh, it'll be Lance Brown, Albert Tam, Barry Schultz, and Steve Brinster. Because yeah. I'm going to walk um, with that card. And one of our team members, Luke Callahan, caddying for... Uh, big Colling. Yeah. So I was like, that'd be sick if he was on that card. But, yeah. Uh, okay. Also, Colling, um, I saw, would have came in with the hottest score of yeah. eight if he would have tied with eight, but he took a triple bogey on Maybe 18. Seven hole 18. Yeah. So, I mean, you can just imagine what happened there. Um, but yeah, Lance Brown, I mean, huge forehand player. So yep. I'm assuming, well, I already know this is a forehand course, but may, it might have gotten even more after the changes. And shout out to Barry Schultz. Because the man's kind of old now, I think. Yeah. Right? Okay, the man's old. And this, he's... He's, you know, the, he's from Climo era. The Climo era. Right. So he's in 11th place right now, shooting a five under. Um, so... He's a good North Carolina legend. That dude's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, you know, shout outs where shout outs are needed. Um, I don't really see anybody else that I'm like so surprised about. Maybe that I'm still scrolling and I don't see... There were two aces today that I know of at least. Oh, I only uh, knew one. Nick Newton, it was his first ever USDGC, his first throw ever at USDGC. Hole one, he aced. That's yep. such a cool memory. And he ended up shooting two under, so he's in 23rd. The other one I just saw down here somewhere, I believe it was Thomas Gilbert. Um, yeah, he's in. he didn't play so hot other than his ace, but he aced hole 17. Um, he followed it up with a seven on hole 18, but he did get the ace on hole 17, Thomas Gilbert from Canada. So two aces out there today. Um, I don't know why I'm not seeing this one name that I'm looking for. Oh, there he is. Emerson. Sorry. 39th. 39th. And one more that I wanted to say, or two more. Um, we got, Ooh. okay. Where is he? Come on. Zach Mellon, 87th. Okay. Low. Well, who, what's Paul's card tomorrow? Paul. Mm, I don't feel like counting that. Um, they should scroll over. They should have their tea times. Oh, look at that. Paul Macbeth, Paul Macbeth. So who's the person above him? Stuart McSlack. Now, wait a second. Noah Osborne, right? Is yeah. he on his card? Yeah. So He's the one that he played with today. No. No, Noah, Noah Osborne won Am Worlds, correct? Yeah. Sick. So yeah. Noah Osborne. Yeah. So is Stuart on his card? Yeah. Stuart, Noah Osborne, Paul, and Dan Hastings. Dan Hastings is the another North Carolina yeah. local guy. Nate um, said he was on feature card with Paul, so I was right. Uh, Noah was? Yeah. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know that, but I believe Noah was the Am World champ. He was, yeah. Um, but Dan Hastings was the guy who averaged like, I think he averaged 1100 on, at a tournament. Uh, I have his disc in my bag. It says best day ever, 1092 and then like 11 something. Um, 
but he's another like North Carolina legend. He's a school teacher. He just plays disc oh, golf really? on the weekends. So uh, that'll be a fun card tomorrow that I'm going to go watch at least. Uh, there won't be much coverage, but I'll try to get some Instagram stories of that. I feel like there's more names. Oh, okay. Uh, did you see? Don't look yet. Okay. Where, where do you, how do you think Kevin Jones did? Uh, he was shooting pretty good. So I'm going to say he's in 15th. 71st, my mans. Whoa, whoa, what? Four over. Okay, I've got to look at his scorecard now because he was, last I saw him, he was like five under. Like, there's a lot of people at the top that should be at the top and a lot of people at the bottom that should not be at the bottom. Yes, okay, so look at this. So Kevin Jones, hole six through 11, he birdied. He had He was two over and then went one, two, three. He was four under. And then ended up shooting a four over par. Yeah. So through holes 12 through 18, he shot, which he took an eight on hole 17, which was the killer there. Oh, hole 12 through 18, though, he shot eight over par. Five of it coming on 17. Yeah. So ridiculous. Um, wow. I did not know that. I did not see how he finished. That is very shocking. Um, I don't think there's really too... Well, we, we keep saying there's not too many other shocks. I know, and the murder are going to keep saying The thing is them. that this tournament is so stacked with talent that yeah. the more you look, the more you're going to be surprised. Um, I believe Will Schustrick played decent today. I think he shot even, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he shot even, tied for 39th, um, which, I mean, ever since he's had that uh, shoulder... Uh, what was it called? Impingement or, or something. We haven't really seen him up there. He's also been working a lot more than playing as of late, so... Um, but he'll always be at USDGC as one of the, as a three-time U.S. champ. Um, U.S. champions are always invited back regardless of their play. So, all right. So that's pretty much all that we have to say today. If you want to keep up with what's going down there before the content comes out, and you don't want to pay for you know to watch it live, Hunter is going to be there and post it on Instagram. Yeah. He'll be just posting stories on Instagram. You know, maybe the last round he'll go live. I have no clue what he's doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I don't know either. So I leave tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. to try to get down there for college disc golf coverage. Yeah, I really wish that I could be there because the college thing I want to see now more than the actual tournament. I will say, speaking but, to Dean's Cup, I saw on Sam Sterling's post uh, Instagram that he's in Charlotte. He's the top guy from uh, Ferris State what? last year. Which he graduated, but like I had said before, Dean's Cup, you're allowed to come back and play. Like so I could have technically played. So no, he's not coming back to Ferris this year, but he could be playing, which would affect oh, my. He could yeah. be playing in Dean's Cup, which would affect my pick to win Dean's. So Cup. if Sam plays, you're picking Ferris. If Sam plays, I think Liberty will have a very hard time beating Ferris okay. because Sam, Sam is a very very good player, and if Sam plays, I can only imagine that last year's Ferris team will be there, right? Which would be very very hard to beat in doubles, right? Um, yeah. So like I was saying, keep up with us on Instagram as well as, uh, don't forget to get your crystal colored Raptor. That's going to end on Friday and a little, I feel like I'm not going to supposed to say this, but the ones, those other ones, we haven't announced them yet. No, okay, I wouldn't say we're not yet. saying those other ones. We don't, we don't have it finalized. I'm reaching out to, we'll just put this out there. I'm reaching out to several illustrators that are not me, that are actual like illustrators, illustrators, not designers to get something sick. Uh, for a special ha- edition half disc. is half is limited as the these raptors yeah half well not half as limited half as twice as limited twice as limited yeah so half, half, half the amount of discs <laughs> how about that we'll just say it. half the amount of discs and that's but all yeah half the not, amount of disc yeah. uh actual illustrator melding together into future goodies yeah so this is going to be really exciting again if you haven't watched a video from yesterday go watch it um it's actually doing pretty good uh got more views than we've expected in the first day 
Um, but obviously, it's because Paul's in the video. Yeah. But um, that always helps the Macbeth bump. Yeah. Go ahead and watch that. Keep up to date with us on Instagram and Facebook. That's where we drop all of our news. Um, I guess next Wednesday, we'll be, we'll be here. You'll be back. Yeah, I'll be back. Okay, we'll be here next Wednesday at 8.30 again. So don't miss it, guys. Thanks for coming out, and we'll see you guys next time. And Patreons will be live for our post-podcast Q&A at 10 o'clock Eastern time. Yes. Uh, right on the nose. Forgot about that.